What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to the Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirit remains unbroken. I'm your host, Blake Law. This is episode 41 of the podcast, and we are once again thrilled you have joined us. I am here to talk about my Gene Stealer call because I'm actually not Blake Law. I'm Nick Donavati. Blake is here too. He's my uh, person, and he is here to talk about Admech and Knights and things like that. We're, of course, joined by Jaime Paris. He's a space wolf. What more introduction does he need? And Brad Chester, the oldest man in 40K, he thinks he can step it up and be the host, which is what, not what I'm doing at all. Certainly not. I'm just <laughs> embarrassed by that intro, Nick. I, um, I'm going to reintroduce Jaime. The Wolf Thane from Spain, Mr. Jaime Paris. <laughs> there we go. That, that's the intro, Nick. You got to let him do his howl. Uh, there we go. You got to let a wolf howl, man. You can't, you can't hold that back. I thought I was doing pretty good. Jaime, my, my intro on you could have used some work. We're working it. We're working it. And our, our, our co-host today is actually winless in 2022. <laughs> he is yet to win anything, and uh, he's done some stuff in the past, Mr. Brad Chester. So, before I can have anything stolen from me, after the weekend, what was your MVP unit and what units on the cutting block from your, your armies over the weekend? Is that, is that for me? Both of you. It's a you duo question. Hey, Nick, go what was it. your MVP on the weekend and what was on the cutting block? I kind of stole it there. I'm counting it. You can't I mean, count that. It's just could because you please ask Blake attention. what his MVP unit was and what was on the cutting block. Blake, exactly. What was your like, MVP and what was on the cutting it's block? It's my literal signature question. You, you son of a bees. I still, I still it about seventy five percent of the time though. So you I think do. it might become my signature question. Even, now. even as the guest, he steals it. I do. <laughs> How do you feel about that? So not good. Not I, good. <laughs> I'm gonna say my MVP because this is the first time I've ran Admech as the primary because it's just so freaking CP hungry. I start with like nothing. And um I'm gonna say that the MVP a thousand, a thousand percent is the 17 or the 18 man block of uh Vanguards. Good lord. That thing is like a freaking razor blade. It just cuts things apart. It's amazing. It it can put out so much damage, it's just crazy. And it's so hard to move, man. It's like a terminator block there. It's like, oh, a two plus save, it ignores AP one and two. Like you're not moving. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. Who's on the cutting block then? Who's on the cutting block? Mm. That's a clever <laughs> question, actually. Um, I don't know. Probably with the Inquisitor. The Inquisitor really did nothing for me. He hurt me because I uh every single army I went into, Gene Stiller, Colt, Grey Knights, um, sisters, they all had these like denies that were kind of scary. And like, and I took it for sisters and I actually got denied like weirdly on a six plus like twice. So I ended up scoring like a whatever you get for like two or three, it wasn't good, you know? So I think the sure. Inquisitor, it feels good. It feels like, oh man, I'm going to get some CP back and you do get some CP back. I'll give it that. But like, as far as like the ability to run interrogation, it really, in two, in two tournaments I've ran it, it hasn't really come up much. So what would you do with the points? Because it's not a lot of points. It's oh, maybe I'd, an extra five-man squad. I'd probably either take an extra five-man squad. I'd probably drop the servitors. The servitors are actually on chopping. Like, that's, that's my number one. The servitors are gone. Yeah. Sir, I was, I was going to actually ask you that. I'm like, I forgot about them. the Inquisitor. I feel like the servitors are the servitors just, are already out of my mind. They're, they're just dead. Like I've, after yeah. this tournament where they felled that stupid rod, like um, they're they're toast. So that, that extra five man squad could have actually taken that. Yeah, yeah. take the take the Voidsman 
for the same points. What is it? The Voidsman, Voidsman at Arms. <laughs> it's a five man for forty points. Yeah. It's a actually it's a it's an Agents of the Imperium. So if you're dropping the Inquisitor, that that works. If he drops the Inquisitor, he can yeah. Thing. It's what a five man like? unit. It's just guardsmen. Oh, yeah, it's just five guardsmen. That's pretty yeah. good. Someone points? actually told me to put them into my list instead of my scouts because my scouts I'm paying ninety points because I put melters on them, and these guys are forty points for five dudes. How much is my uh, my five man vanguards? Are they forty five? I can't remember now. They changed the points. Piece of is? They are. I think they're because it's like five extra points to get a, to get that. Like because the vanguard squads are nasty. Like they give you minus. You have five months of forty five points. Yeah, yeah, and they're troops, so they auto pass R and D. Yes, yeah, so you do, I that. do that. In a hot second. Yeah. They're gnarly. I forgot you have good op- uh, troops. I'm a space marine. I'm paying hundred points for these kind of things. <laughs> the other thought would so be to to get more i kind of want to lean back into the original list where i had a ton of raiders and just be like there are a lot of points whatever but having like a multiple large blocks of raiders is like so good when i ran that in orlando it just felt it felt a lot better i was a lot worse with them back then so it didn't have the impact it does now but if i had like 27 raiders that that would feel awesome i gotta feel really good for me what about some forward deploy what about some uh infiltrators um i, I like started players in your army because i started to paint them and i hate them <laughs> literally the answer i have like i have like 30 of them and having four uh, deploys like a big deal against a lot of these armies because you can start oh yeah. pre-game moves yeah. Oh yeah i agree you can agree. Do, especially when you've got your raiders you want to block your own area so that you can guarantee <laughs> your pre-game moves so you can do your pre-game moves yeah. <laughs> it's true there's been times where i have been uh hurt really bad from that like um for instance, in, in me and Nick's game, Nick Nick blocked off a whole half of the board. I couldn't pregame move, um, and I, I can only really block half my board uh, from where his yeah. bikes were going. So it would it would have definitely impacted that. So yeah, if I was going to keep running this, which uh, Adepticon is my swan song to this list, um, but if I was going to keep running, I think I would definitely put some um, infiltrators in there. So how about your turn? What's, what's on the uh, what's the who is the MVP and who's on the cutting block? I had plenty of time to think about this during this whole. Diatribe. I, the MVP is going to be controversial, but is, I got to give it to the Accolade Icon Ward because he's like the buffer that makes the whole army do what it does better. The whole army is just there to throw OPSEC around the board by coming in and doing seven inch rollable charges all over the place. And all my neophytes are just trash OPSEC units that just make charges and blue block you and score points and steal points and all that. And the big heavy units in close combat, they really appreciate making the charge and Accolade Icon Ward helps with that. So He's like not the biggest performer, but he needs to be there. He's the best coach, so he's there. And then the the chopping block. I've rewritten this list. It's a little bit different now. Now I have rock grinders instead of all these neophytes. The neophytes lost their weapons. They're still there. So it's a bit different. But the Primus, that dude, he got his head chopped off. No more Primus. <laughs> don't need him. Don't want him. Don't care about him. Sorry, buddy. He got chopped. Doesn't he give rerolls to your originals? He gives rerolls to core units, and ridge runners are not core units. Doesn't, not, doesn't, isn't there a way to select a unit that's not core and get rerolls? I haven't figured that out yet. There's a, I think there's a there, way. There's a, there's a strat for ridge runners 2 CP to give them rerolls, but that has nothing to do with the Primus. Um, and then the Gene Sealers also aren't core. There's no way to get them rerolls. So I know Nick, that. Is this guy? Is this guy making it to your list? Blake, this is an audio-only podcast. I know you're showing me this beautiful <laughs> patriarch, but the listeners do not, they don't get that. They don't get well, what you're doing. I Actually, so, um, a little side note here. Uh, after the tournament, I stole Nick's patriarch and repainted it. So, <laughs> yeah, I have his patriarch here right now. 
He wouldn't let me don't strip for, it. So I just when you go. come from Arkansas to Florida tomorrow, do not forget my shot glass or my Patriarch or my Black Templar box. I have you are you're responsible for things, Blake. I'm going to tell you after dark objectives. This is staying. This is staying on the audio. People need to know this. I need you to text me and remind me because if you forget this, I'm blaming you. So we have. Okay. Now that we have audio evidence, once once I text Blake, it is back to his responsibility to not forget this. Right, Internet? Okay. Exactly. Fair. So if you guys with, of course, the unbroken 2020, when you look back at an event, if you were going over all the rules, everything the same. What would you have changed about your list to optimize it for that tournament? Ooh, that's a good question. If anything. I'll start with mine because I got this ready to roll. I would turn it into my Streamhouse RTT list, which you can find on our YouTube channel or right here because I'll spit it out for you. It's basically the same dull patrol or patrol battalion thing. Instead of being a custom trait, I am now foreign bumpers, so I have that natural reroll charges in. I get light cover, which I completely forgot about in my game chester, so that sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> they give me the the same combo, but I get more CP manipulation, and then I basically take the same list I just took. I cut one unit of demo bikes down to two units of four, and then I cut one unit of neophytes entirely, and I strip the guns off the others, so it's just three units of ten naked neophytes. And then my Primus, like I said, he got chopped. Sorry, bud. And then we actually all of that somehow turns into three Goliath rock grinders, and I gave them all heavy seismic cannons. So it's very Similar firepower, I still have uh, 18 seismic cannon shots or nine heavy seismic cannon shots, um, whereas before I had 24. I don't have rerolls, but um, I have combat-capable vehicles that are minus one damage and pretty tough, and they're actually really annoying and yep. cheap, and I like them. So uh, I like that iteration of my list a lot. I've played it three times now. Uh, it's once, twice. It's struggled versus the new Eldari, but what else is new? I got to learn that matchup. I'm very excited for it. I like that list a lot, actually. I mean, I played it against them today, and it was very irritating. So, what about irritating yourself? Irritating is what I go for. <laughs> I would have... I mean, it's, it's what we already talked about. I mean, the list can only go so many ways. I would definitely... Um, off of what I have painted and what could have played right then, I would have uh, dropped the servitors, and I would have either taken another five-man, or I would have um, combined and made a ten-man... Uh, 10 man, five man, 18 man. So I feel like there's, there's definitely some uses for a 10 man block of those guys, especially if like, if you, um, if you are sending mountain waves. Yeah. So let's get back to the game. We, we talked a little bit about the game, a lot about the game in, in the first part. And if you haven't watched the first part, go back and listen to that. Cause it'll make no sense to you after you, until you listen to the second part. So Nick, in your, your first turn, you went and you killed something with the pure strain gene stealers. And you did not pull them off the board. Is, was there any plays that you could have put uh, jackals on the mid midboard objective and then pulled the gene stealers out of there? Because it seems like that would have been just a, a really important unit to have later to challenge uh, Blake's backfield, especially if you could have got into that uh, big block of Vanguard. Yeah. So this was an interesting um, detail of the game. Basically, after Blake scouted up his Cerberus Raiders and I trapped them with bikes and my Pierce Drains obliterated them i the only unit that was able to move at that point was my pure strains consolidation which they used to get onto an objective and get my stranglehold from blake and i had the choice between putting my stealers back into reserve or doing this con- or consolidation point and stealing the objective and i went for that because strangleholds were three points and the stealers come back and they're nine inches away it's not like they auto make their charge they're kind of less good they have to set up for a turn 
to do it reliably, which I didn't value too highly. I liked that I was already up to Cerberus Raiders, so I just took the momentum. If I had um, better experience with the armies, where I'll put this, I would have actually deployed my second Patriarch. I only deployed one, and that guy was busy casting Psychic Interrogation. I would have deployed my second one. He would have cast Psychic Stimulus onto one of my bike units that had advanced, because they needed to advance so I could surround the Cerberus Raiders so they wouldn't just leave when I declared mm-hmm. the charge. And then they couldn't charge because they advanced. So if I had my second Patriarch, I would be able to do Psychic Interrogation with one, Psychic Stimulus with the other. For the that, advance charge. That allows the bikes to advance and charge, exactly. Charge into the same unit. So right. I, I surround the service raiders, then the Steelers declare the charge, they can't go anywhere meaningful. Then I charge the bikes in, Steelers wipe the service raiders, go back and reserve. Bikes still get to activate because they made a successful charge, mm-hmm. fight the air, consolidate to the objective, and screw you, Blake. But no, yeah. we didn't think that far. That's no, screw, I love the end with screw you, yeah. Blake. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right, so i got a question for Blake then. Um, Nick goes for a pretty devastating turn one, right? Like he takes out your bikes, which are uh, your horses, which are a huge unit against you. They have great profiles in shooting, decent enough in combat, and their ability to screen and move away when they get declared as a charge is huge against you, right? So what's your mental thought process or like, like mentally how you're staying in the game after such a devastating turn one, losing such a vital piece of your list? My thought at that point became more forward. So I thought I have to move these knights quickly and hope they don't die. I mean, that w- that was where I went immediately because nothing else in my army can get up the board quick enough to handle that. Losing that unit was devastating because my plan was actually to take that nine man and, you know, just harass, harass, harass yeah. His, yeah. his back objectives and get stranglehold that way. And yeah. so I- I'm missing stranglehold at this point. My secondaries are awful. Once I lose right. that, my secondaries look really bad. So my plan is at that point, it's become double down on the aggression and just try to get the sure. knights up the board. Yeah, because it's interesting how that flips, right? Because like against a top player, like you make a, you didn't make a mistake, mistake. It's just your opponent was able to capitalize on a small error on your side. So having to flip that switch is interesting, right? Like having to double I, down aggression, like you said. I love the the question of that, honey. It's funny because you said that because Nick actually said that to me today. Um, oh yeah. Well, because in our game he had a huge turn too, and he was like, "Well, a lot of people would have checked out." Okay, yeah. give me a zero on my turn too. Uh, for, mm-hmm. our, for my primary in that game and killed a lot of stuff and he was in a pretty good position. Uh, and I love that because of the fact that you have to stay in the game. And a lot of times you, I see people checking out when the game is still very winnable. You just have oh, that yeah. turn, you know, and you feel like you're under the gun now, but then you just have to take that second. And sometimes it, you take a, a little bit more time in your turn and just like, you know, it's better to take you know, two to five minutes to get your get yourself your chi back together and figure yeah. out how you're going to win the game than just start, you know moving things for absolutely no reason. So I, I love that question. It's cute. And people right. forget like how your opponent is also going to make mistakes and they also might get like screwed on that. It's like if you still have like this is was turn one, right? So like Blake has four more turns to play. Like if this <laughs> happens turn four, then maybe the score is locked in. But like turn one, turn two, like your opponent can still mess up. Dice can still swing the game, right? Like it's not over until it's over. Yeah, 100%. I think also what you guys are saying, when this does happen, in general, I do take like five minutes, even mm-hmm. if it's chess clock, I'll put it on my time, no problem. And like really assess the board state, come up with a new plan, really like, okay, bad things happen. I rolled really bad. I failed the key charge. It hit me way harder than I thought. Plan went sideways. You can either just roll over and die because you only had the one plan and it didn't work, or you mm-hmm. can readjust. And making sure you readjust with confidence and comes from just like sitting there and coming up with a good point. So take your time in doing that. That's really important. Yep. 
that's something that uh, Nick pointed out to me is if I had sat there and thought about that turn where I could have killed behind the objective, you know, where I could have gone, taken my knight over to the right and shot behind the obscuring and killed those four bikes. If I had just taken some time, like five minutes, just been like, all right, let me look at this board. Let me see what I can do. Let me see the plays. Because I saw that play a little bit, but I didn't know how I could execute it. But if I had sat there and thought, oh, this guy could just scoot over here, see it, then, you know, it would have been a, that would have been a pretty devastating uh, turn for me. It's huge. Uh, you know, I yeah. say all the time when I talk to people, don't move any models until you ask, how is moving this model going to score me points? Or is how this model is going, moving this model going to uh, take points away from my opponent? And then if you can't answer that either way, then why are you moving there? There's a lot of the times you're just doing it because you don't want to just be killing. Killing models to kill models is not going to win you the game. You have to score. You have to be scoring points every time. That's why you see so many teams. Nick and I have talked about this a ton on that. You see so many times where somebody's winning, even though they've got nothing. You know, they might be yeah. on turn five and all of a sudden the game's still, you know, 15 point win. Is the entire game they were scoring, scoring, denying points, and you have to be thinking that the, the whole time because you can get, you can get feel defeated if like you're losing a lot of your army. But that's why it's so important to keep a record of the score every. Well turn. said. Well said. <laughs> you know what, Brad? This is neither here nor there. Scorekeeping <laughs> is for people who want to win games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who wants to win games? That's not that's not us. That's not what Art of War is about. Now, with the armies that you guys took, you've, you've played in the tournaments now. Nick has made some adjustments to his. Blake, you're talking about making some adjustments to yours. With the meta the way it is, Craft Road just came out there. We've got Tau and Custodes. How do you guys feel into the, the meta itself with the armies you're bringing? So, Custodes are tough, but totally doable. Um, the version of Gene Stone Cult I have is less focused on actually killing Custodes and more focused on just stealing points from them. The big advantage you have is they only have two secondaries against you, and you have three secondaries against them, especially my new version. My new version only has 101 wounds worth of stuff, so basically you literally have to table me to get a 12 on no prisoners. You oftentimes will only kill 90-something, and then that's nine goes to a 10 on points. Not so great compared to my to the last stranglehold rods up combo, which works great against custodies. So that one's winnable. Tau, I want to say this is like impossible because all, all this ignores <laughs> line of sight, rerolls everything, AP shooting with screw you. Yeah. Sounds really bad, but I'm three and overs tile players, including Mr. Sieg. So really? I'm just going to knock on some more yeah, and keep it rolling. I was like, What's, what? what are you talking about? I don't know. Mind control and faith in the forearm damper. That's what <laughs> I got. Faith in the forearm damper. So we actually did an entire Art of War vanilla podcast where in part one and part two, I break down all my gene stealer cult trickery, including how I've beaten these top players. The did mystery you? unveiled. I wish this was a video. Uh, we were doing this a video podcast because currently Blake looked like somebody just asked the most bizarre question in the universe. His face scrunched up. His <laughs> eyes went two different ways. He doesn't know where he is anymore. Uh, I is don't know a question for him, Blake. I just think that you be, you're paralyzed right now. Did, was that streamed? Where you yeah, beat the Tao? It's on stream. I told you to watch it. You don't listen to me. No, listen I watched the coach. one where you play, where you where you played Crusher because that's what I want to play against him. That so. was a travesty. Don't watch that one. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to see the call against Tao. I'll, I gotta watch that. Yeah, that's crazy. This game it's in the worm you should check it out that's what we said good stuff. Nick, coaching nick never tells me outcomes though which i appreciate it's like no spoilers man so i didn't know you won i, I really didn't that's crazy i shouldn't give away these spoilers yeah that's, that's, that's pretty sweet given 
And then, New Elder, I don't know. I had a really great game with you, Brad, today in our Streamhouse RTT, also viewable on YouTube for free. Check it out. <laughs> Can't stop the plugin. But um, no, it was really good. I lost fair, fair square. The Night Spinners, very bad for my armies. And so if the triple Night Spinner, Nine Shadow Weaver build becomes I think a thing. It felt bad, though. I, felt, I think it played, I had a couple swingy, we both had a couple swingy turns. Yeah, no, I I think there's like a critical mass of indirect where Gene Circle just can't hang. But um, we played really back and forth 40K. I made some errors because I am not familiar with New Eldar. And I learned that the hard way, some good lessons. <laughs> <Where> am I? <laughs> but uh, I think that's a totally fine match so far. Yeah. How about yourself? Um, that, this is why, I mean, this army's dead. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I can this play it anymore. I, I, I'm going to play it at Adepticon because I don't have anything else painted, and I kind of want to give it one last go, you know? I, I like playing it, um, but Eldar and Tau just pick this army up. I mean, this is like, just take this army and just put it on the side of the table, because yeah. the in, the mass indirect, ignore cover, you literally just, like, take away, like, you just pick up all my troops. I can't, I can't even with like, Even with ignore AP1, AP2, like, you're still mm-hmm. taking three up saves on 40 dice. Like, it's... Say, you're you're going to put a lot of mass on it, I guess, on that. The knights were actually kind of irritating for both for well not for Tau, but no with the iron yeah. cannons. Yeah. yeah, the Tau pick up the knights too is a problem with like so even plasma picks them up. Like if you uh, in in mass. They can also get rerolls of the wound and stuff like that. I mean, damn, they can get plus one of wound real wounds against wound. right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's it's cute. a bad it's it's a it's bad news for sure. The Tau one is especially what's gonna kill it. Um yeah. but I haven't played versus Eldar yet. Um, I feel like it's going to be bad, but I'd have to really see to know. That might not be quite as bad as the Tau one, because the Tau has all the tools to literally pick up everything in this army. Uh, Custodes, I think I could probably probably do some things verse, honestly. I'd probably have to, um, if it's, as long as it's not the one where it's like all the dreads that can do the heroic intervention stuff, if that one's bad news for me. But otherwise, I think I'd probably handle some of their um, other shenanigans. Yeah, give them a good scare. Yeah. I'm either co-host right now, but I do want to know where do you think Space Wolves are sitting right now in the current meta? Uh, <laughs> so, no, actually, at team tournaments, very well. I just came from the Valencia GT in Spain and actually won that event with my team. Very nice. So, yeah. Nice. Tau, tower rough to get to because I don't kill crisis bombs in combat anymore. The shield drones eat my damage, which really, really sucks. And their indirect picks up my wound efficiently, especially with the ignore cover. And the new Eldar, I haven't even looked at. The Harleys look complicated because they can move six inches when you declare them. There's always things you can do to get around those. The transports look hard to kill. So what I'm going to struggle with the Harlequins is popping the transports to then kill the stuff inside. So I might struggle with that aspect. And then Crusher and Custodes... With all the Meltan have in my list and all the hammers, it comes down to four up invons and funeral pains and that kind of stuff. So those two matchups are currently based on dice. It's just how well am I forced to wound and how badly do they fail the four up invons? But uh, it's currently rough just because Tau, Tau are the boogeyman right now. And, yeah, uh, I feel like Tau that invalidate a lot of stuff for them. But uh, Brad, nope. what do you think is going to happen to Tau that'll bring them back down to Earth? What are, what do you see as the? I just think it's problem? points. I mean, Nick thinks it's a little bit different. I'll let Nick say his piece on it. But I'll, on mine, I really think that it's going to be point adjustments because if right now I think that Tau are taking away the armies that actually are really good against Custodes, all the GSC, the everybody, the MSU armies that can just play secondaries against them, and those armies aren't being able to be led into 
the custodes because if you're going to a tournament and you know that Tau's going to be there, you're just not going to play a super MSU style because you just get picked up by Tau. So I, yeah. I think that that's a lot of, I think it's just going to be point adjustments though, because if you just have less stuff from the Tau. But I think, <clears throat> I think drones need to be part of morale. Like yeah, if you lose six yeah. drones, like that needs to affect a 12 man unit, right? Like it's losing, it's like, oh, cool. You show your entire army, you kill six drones. I don't care. Nick, you were saying that you think they need to change some mechanics in Tau. What are your thoughts on that? My, my credit where credit is due is really me and John Lennon, and a lot of the ideas come from him in conversation we were having. Um, but the the change we would like to see is that you just, if you're shooting with indirect fire and cannot draw a line of sight to your opponent, you can't reroll it. Reroll, hit, reroll, and whatever you got. Because I think a lot of the oppressiveness of Tau is just the fact that there's no getting around it. There's no tactics you can use to not be shot. You're just getting shot, and it really hurts because stats. So you could rein in the stats by either reducing how much volume is coming your way by making things cost more, or you could rein in the stats by just saying no rerolls, or you could take away some indirect. The, the point is it needs to have some more play to it that doesn't exist. So, so we do not, I think that probably needs to be all all around, though, because I think like a lot of the things that we've thought have been problems over in ninth edition have been indirect like very efficient indirect yes. has been always been kind of a big deal and a big problem so it's every edition it's yeah. um flyers and indirect have, things that things that can get around terrain right yeah. things that get around terrain they cannot be interacted with you can't use tactics to like blunt their effectiveness um they just happen to you indirect fire flyers those are the two big ones that come to mind i'm glad <laughs> they just smashed new York flyers indirect it's your turn yeah. so yeah, i do mm-hmm. sorry so i do want to point out arn my friend he pointed out that there's something you can do against the tower indirect. So the way it works is Moncar gives you an extra point of AP against the closest eligible target. So against the indirect, you can put something closer so that your good unit doesn't need all the AP. And because the tower fire and fade requires them to be the first activation, that um, artillery unit can't get the full benefits against whatever they want to kill if you have something closer. So that's something you can currently do to try and mitigate some other damage, but like right now, it's still too much. It is still tough on that. I mean, they still have so many ways to reroll, and plus one to wound, and full rerolls to wound, things of that nature are just, you just don't like to see that on a direct. I mean, we've seen the Hive Guard be oppressive. It's any time that you have anything where it feels like you were taken out of the game, okay. uh, always it's going to feel bad. Because if you are you don't feel like you can use your player skill against somebody, if they can just completely ignore all your moves. What's so, the yeah. range on that indirect for Tau? 24. Okay. 24, but they move auto 18 with an yeah. auto 6 inch advance, and then they can fire and fade backwards, right? So it's wherever they want, yeah. and then they move back to safety. It's it's pretty rough. How big is their fire and fade? Six inches, Six seven inches. inches. Yeah, but it's, right, it's but, yeah, yeah. They're still gonna. I mean, they're literally out of your your assault range, even if you're jump pack at that point in time, because they yeah. they shot you at 24, and then they move back to 30. Yeah, and that's that's a that healthy distance to be. Yeah, they're pretty, exactly. They're probably so now be, you can't even shoot them. Right. So yeah. yeah. But for everyone out there who's like having a rough time right now, remember we have the new quarterly um, updates. What are they called? Yeah, I think they just balance are, updates. Exactly. Quarterly, yeah. quarterly balance updates. The quarterly balance updates, and then the the codex itself, FAQ and errata. So like, there's two opportunities here for Tau to get, you know, dialed down a little bit. So get there's still hope, and that's this month. So I'm happy for. I don't mind anything coming out OP because you need a little bit of that. Every data, and I know it sucks that they they feel a little oppressive right now. 
But again, just exactly how I'm saying, they're 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 doing those updates every you know every quarter. Yeah. So we don't have to wait that long. Yeah, exactly. It's, when it's is that coming out? Probably like in March sometime, I assume, for quarter one. Th- th- this month, right? Yeah. At yeah. some point, That's end of this month. Cool. Yeah, we're keeping quarter. with the quarterly schedule. Yeah. That's pretty that's good. that's pretty nice. I like it GW. It's really nice, that. right? Yeah, it's huge. It's really, really good on their part. It also gives you a little you just get light at the end of the tunnel. Even if you feel yeah. a little frustrated about it right now, you're like, I don't have to wait that long. You know what I mean? Yeah, Back that's in the what day, Nick and John were saying. Four years. Four yeah. years yeah. for a new town code. Exactly when this gets nerfed. Yeah, we used to be, hey, is this a broken unit? Well, cool. I'll see you next edition. So Yeah. Yeah. Remember when Dark Eldar went like how long did they go? It was crazy. Between was like their fifth second edition, of sixth, it was something crazy. It was wild. It was like, yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, yeah. That might be the longest time a book took to release. Not that we digress here, but man, that was a crazy wait. Mm-hmm. Well, Brad, I, what else you got for I us? Like segue. I like to segue into something else. <laughs> Are we supposed crazy. to be covering something in this podcast? Brad in it. I'm going to be Brad <laughs> Not if, not if Brad's at the helm. Host Brad's ready to go on anything, baby. He'll take he'll take you down some weird rabbit hole if you do not want to go down. We should call this the Stallion Hour. Can we just change the name of it? Sure. The Stallion Hour. Stallion Hour. Look, what do you think you would have done? Besides, we talked about the possibility of a banners, and we and, and uh, Blake already mentioned uh, several uh, missteps that he made. Tell me about the things that you think by looking back at that game, and you know, with of course the perfect twenty twenty unbroken sight. What would you have done play play wise to score more points? I think banners is definitely an interesting thought. I'd probably have to look at really you seriously. Talked about your your bike move, you know, that you could have done to have those gene stealers still and yeah, that, still managed to take the stranglehold. But how do you think you could have got the the win in this? Because what what, what I mean, the, the bottom line here is keep track of the scoreboard because while well, it was a tie, you know, like on turn five, I could have just not used my stealers. That's one point. But how many more opportunities did I have throughout the entire game to rob Blake a point here or there on no prisoners or maybe killing a unit for his mission primary? Because he was getting threes, not like fives that capped at threes. He was getting threes. So maybe I could have made that two a couple turns on by just, oh, there's a couple neophytes left in this unit. Maybe I'll put them back in reserve so they can come in and hide somewhere else entirely and never see the light of day again, as opposed to just moving them around. They got shot and killed. It was really, these are the first time playing my new mission, the new missions in a tournament setting. So I was super not used to this specific mission's reward for killing units, like old kill points, one point for killing a squad, basically. So I could have been much more active in being denial-y about that, which would have also helped my no prisoners. But that's just all stems from not keeping and paying attention to the scoreboard. 100% on that. Now, do you, would you think that you would put more stuff in reserve if you play the game again? And would you take no. the same? Would you take the same? Obviously, we talked about its potential different secondary, but would you have done, taken anything different? Uh, I I don't think so. Banners instead of rods, maybe. Um, definitely worth a thought. I liked psychic interrogation. I don't think I would have been done much better with the last or anything like that. Um, I would have. My army is really well designed to reserve as much as it reserves and deploy as much as it deploys. That's based into how its strategy functions. So I don't really mess with that too much. But the second Patriarch is totally a flex. You can reserve them or not reserve them based on the match, based on your feelings, based on your vibes, which do exist, John. Vibe them out. Vibe them out. So my Patriarch should have been on the board, so my bikes could have charged, so I could have had Gene Steelers and won the games. Screw you, Blake. Hey. Yeah. Blake, looking back at this matchup, 
knowing now a little bit more about GSC since you hadn't played them before, do you feel more or less confident as far as your army, the, the match itself, your army, that army versus the GSC army? I feel a little bit better versed, honestly, especially on that mission. I feel really good about it. Not playing Nick, playing playing someone else, maybe even like I feel very confident that I could. If I'm playing that one again, especially like I'm going to do well on it. I think I, I, I play. I played. I played my movement bad, and that's you. It's it's hard to like. I got. I was very lucky to to draw the top player with how I played my move. My movement was super sloppy. I don't think it was super sloppy. You made small, tiny movement errors, and I <laughs> punished you very hard for that. Yes, <laughs> but I mean, with like minimum model count, it right? felt with bad. Two big knights against a top level player, like you can't like every inch right. matters. Every inch matters. Just, we talk about it all the time because you got to figure you make two two small movements. Like if you went from you know make two two inch movement errors, we talk about this all the time. It goes from a five inch rerollable charge, which is almost an auto, to a nine inch charge where the reroll is still only a coin flip. So I mean, it's. You have to make those moves, especially when you're getting into the later parts of the game. But the, you just have to be very good with that. With that, the, the game is literally based on the movement, besides style, of course. <laughs> you know, but, but the game is a skill-based movement army and mobility. What's funny is like you know, uh, there's people out there you know that are newer to the game, or maybe just like play in the garage versus other people who play in the garage, you know, and they talk about oh this. Army's just about rolling dice and or this game's about rolling dice and whoever has the you know bigger better model is gonna win or whatever. But I, I just it's it's not. Like you wanna you wanna prove that fact, like go play Nick Notavati in a game and make a mistake. Oh my god, like literally I was as soon as it happened, like I've never been more aware of every flaw of my of my uh, movement phase or like shooting phase. You know, you make an error and you're just like, Good lord, like uh, he, he just completely capitalized on that, flipped the script on me. So that's uh there's a lot of people out there who talk about that. I promise you, this game is very, very skill based. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, they, I mean, hell, I mean, you basically you play an army that's completely based on fine movements and yeah. assault phase movements and getting the most out of the what I like to call your bonus movement stage, which is the fight, the charge mm-hmm. and charge and flight phases, uh, because you have to start thinking of it as movement when you do that. Absolutely, so you'll see people. Wow, it's like weird. All the top players never seem to base to base when they first charge. Who would have thought? Wandering all the way around. You're like, well, I charged. And then I piled in. Then I consolidated. And all of a sudden, I'm halfway across the board somewhere else. Just like you were talking about your move, though. You were talking about that charge. That charge could have taken away an objective. You know what I mean? And and stole got you points. So movement is just is key. It's literally just key in, in this game. And... If you take anything away from today, take away the fact that mobility, you know, you want to basically maximize your, your movement, never move something until you know exactly why, where you're going to place it and why you're going to place yeah. it there. We'll and I love that. And if the second thing from today is exactly what Jaime was talking about earlier when he said, keep your head in. And basically the game is not over, especially early. You have so many more chances, things you might roll only sixes and they might roll only ones. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always a chance for luck to flip, and there's a chance for you to just keep grinding points out. And again, your opponent may make mistakes. Everybody's human. They just they'll screw Absolutely. up. And on building on top of that, being human, when your opponent's whooping your butt and they're getting bloodthirsty, they start forgetting to play the mission. Yeah. And God, that's so they're, true. if they're tabling you, you're going to win. Because they're going to start killing things and forgetting to move. 
And like, Blake, you yep. make this mistake, right? You were destroying Nick's units, and you're like, oh, I'm going to shoot this other unit that was part of your plan. Yep. Right? So people get bloodthirsty, they get lasered focused in on killing things, and they forget to play the game. So if you're losing hard, wait and watch your opponent make mistakes. How fun is it, though, to kill models? Man, this is such a blast. Like it's, it, <laughs> man, it's great. You know what's more fun than killing models? Winning. Turning in a score sheet that has more points than my opponent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. What do you got for us, Nick? What are your takeaways from what you're, you're talking about? This, I mean, this game especially, but just total. I think you mentioned some great ones, but I'm at my top two because mine are different. Take five minutes, not just when you have a bad turn, you need to recover. But honestly, every turn from like turn one, turn two, turn three, maybe turns four and five, the game is kind of just do whatever you got left to do. But turns one, two, and three, there's a lot of decisions going on. A lot of the game is happening. Reserves to screen, mission points to play for, things to set up for the future, dreams to be had. Take five minutes. Take five minutes and just stare at the board with your big brains and then come up with some plans and then execute, then do it. The the time you should spend 40K should be spent thinking minimal time, like in the physical actions of rolling the dice or moving the models. And then um, number two, can't stress this enough, literally has cost me now at this point, an embarrassing number of events because you'd think I would learn, but <laughs> keep track of the score. <laughs> I love that it's an embarrassing amount of times. I'll tell you that in the last uh, in the last couple of months, I got to play both Brad and Nick, and both those games were so great. And after playing them, I felt like I wanted to be a better player. I was like, man, I got to like just seeing y'all make the plays. I was like, man, I want to, I want to be, I want to be better. So it was really fun playing both of y'all, and uh, and I hope I get to play y'all soon again. I will this weekend, actually. <laughs> it will this weekend. Streamhouse okay. RTT going on live right now, or yesterday. Check it out in the finals. It's on YouTube. We're actually going <laughs> to, me and Brad are going to uh, stream a game too. We had talked about it and it's going to happen. Yeah. So uh, we were talking about, this is, this is interesting. I do want to plug this for a second here, Brad, because we were talking about, I want to play, I'm, I'm building towel. There's no, there's no uh, mystery there, but uh, we're going to, we're going to do a little, a uh, couple play tests on the, in the towel. We're going to try to tease out a list and we're going to record it. I think it's going to be Brad kind of coaching me on it. So that's going to be, that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Very excited. I'm, I'm for that. Some good content. Because I can be the overseer. And point out all the things that should have happened without any risk to myself because I didn't make any of those bad moves. It's live, unbroken live, you know, the, the live, live action version. I'm closing this thing out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hi, Hello and for- welcome to the Art of War Unbroken. <laughs> Champions may lose, but their spirit remains unbroken. I'm, I'm your host, your host Blake Lop. This is episode 41 of the podcast, and we are once again thrilled to have you join us. You, you've got a lot better at it, man. That's was at the fourth time, and I think you've uh, you're going to open all my shows for me. So, oh That's man, I, okay. I am the host of Unbroken. Don't you forget. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Join us next week. That was fantastic. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the Competitive 40K Network. The Art of War 40K.com. dot